If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. I am your co-host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in Chicago. Not with me this week is my intrepid co-host, Gareth Hughes. You will be hearing from Gareth, rest assured, in the episodes ahead. And candidly, look, we are rolling down, counting down. Well, we are rolling out and counting down, I should say, our final episodes of Just Not Sports. And and full disclosure, want to get these out a little bit faster. I've actually recorded all the interviews that we need to close the show at this point. But, uh, you know, look, with COVID going on, Garrett's cancer treatments are just a little bit more complicated than normal. So we're letting him focus on treatment and making time for him to make sure he's on as many of these final shows as possible. So stay tuned. Thanks for your patience. And thanks for all the folks checking in. Just thought I'd give you a quick update on, on that front. Stay tuned for more. Okay, big show today. Again, revisiting some guests that we've had on in the past. And I can't say enough about our guest today. That's right, Sarah Spain. You know Sarah for her work on ESPN across platforms. I will say that she is a busy reporter and TV personality if there ever is one. She's an Emmy winner for her contributions to SportsCenter. She's a mainstay on the afternoon circuit, like around the horn. She hosts a daily sports talk radio show, Spain and Fitz. And of course, uh, she's been a contributor across platforms, writing for ESPNW, doing all sorts of uh, you know necessary national uh, media appearances, and of course, known for her work breaking down all that is Chicago sports in a way only Sarah Spain can. Now, look, I know her from work we did with her way back in the day now, five years ago, as someone who appeared in our More Than Mean campaign against the harassment of women in sports media. A few weeks ago, we had Julie DeCaro, who was also in that campaign with us as well. I just wanted to bring her back on and talk about how her career has evolved and how she is someone who I think represents exactly why you don't need to stick to sports to work in sports. I mean, look, Sarah is talking sports across multiple platforms all the time, on the radio, on TV. She's in your face, sharing opinions, sharing news and updates about sports. But she's also someone who does not define herself on just those limited terms. Especially I think about her podcast. That's what she said. Sarah is someone who I think early on started to roll that show's format more into her interest than news of the day. She's got people coming on talking about how to plan your life to be more productive. She's talking about uh, entertainment. She's talking about things that are happening beyond her as sports personality. And I wanted to bring her on and and, and break that down. Just kind of ask her about how she balances the the grind of day-to-day sports talk with also using her platform to explore the passions and the traits that make her who, who she is. I uh, really enjoyed having Sarah back on. Um, made a lot of news recently as a new part of the uh, ownership group for the NWSL's Red Stars. Uh, she's been talking about it on a number of platforms that happened uh, that was announced after I did the interview with Sarah. So if you want more for that, go check out um, you know her podcast this week or other things that she's done to talk about it. So look, really fun conversation. Great catching up with Sarah. It would not be just not sports if we did not catch up with Sarah Spain one last time. 
on this program. And then afterwards, stick around. I've got a very special distraction for you this week. The triumphant return of my daughter, Charlie, to talk about what's been distracting her the month of March, her never-ending, and I mean never-ending, quest to catch a real-life leprechaun. Stay tuned for that. Cause the South got it cheap If your money you talk Take a chance to New York And distribute to giants How your shooters on debt Cause them deuces fine Take a flight to the bay But I'm worried Number one, I can't imagine um, Ending Just Not Sports Without talking to you one last time You've been a great collaborator A great partner And a great inspiration for how you've uh, How you handle your business Within the sports world And how you transcend the sports world and that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. We've been thinking about how do we wrap up and, and hit on themes uh, that we, we've you know been interested in. And clearly, what you've done with your podcast and with your kind of uh, brand out, outside of sports in terms of uh, engaging on a relative number of issues has been really uh, intriguing and inspiring. But I have to start here, Sarah. Can I, can I give you a dilemma like one last time? Can, <laughs> can I, Brad, bring you a dilemma? Yes. I would love to solve your dilemma or attempt to. Okay, here we go. I'm ending Just Not Sports after five years, and I'm doing that thing where I'm like, I got to find the perfect last show. So I'm sending out feelers Oof. to like my all-time favorite athletes or like people I grew up with or like A-listers, and I'm getting a lot of, yeah, man, like that sounds great. We'll, we'll let you know when we can do that. Sarah, at what point do I just cut the, you know, cut this thing off and say, end it when you want to end it. Don't try to make it about somebody else's ending for you. Okay. So what I would say is I think it's a great hustle play to use a monumental moment in the podcast to try to get that guest that might otherwise (laughs) say no. Right. So I'm actually considering trying to change my pitch slightly i'm trying to get some pretty amazing women to all come on for the five weeks of five tuesdays of of women's history month next month and i'm like maybe since i'm positing it that way they might be more likely to say yes than just an average week um so i like your thinking there i also think that the show was never about that right so the idea that the last show would be your favorite athlete of all time could be perfect, but it could also be perfect with nobody but you and some of your favorite clips from the show. And as much work as that is, which is a lot because the compiling shows, sometimes people think are like the lazy ones because you didn't get a guess, but they actually take like 80 times more work. Yes. (laughs) Um, But it's a great excuse for you to go back and remember some of the great things that happened and the great guests and the people you already spoke to. So uh, there's something much more final about the wrap up than than the big get. And if the big get comes along and technically the show is gone, who's to say that you can't have a post script where you <laughs> where you have them on anyway? They don't need to know that. My wife and kids will probably have a say in that when they're like, remember when you said you would get back to like <laughs> being with us? <laughs> OK, well, give them a couple weeks of being with you and I guarantee they'll yes. be like, hey. Do what happened to the podcast, podcast bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, give me one name, if you don't mind, of somebody I should send a flyer to because you just think uh, they make an all-time like podcast guest. Oh, gosh. I mean, it just depends on what you're into. I've had so many fascinating people, and sometimes the ones that I'm not as primed for or I don't know as much about are some of the best. Um, i trying to think of who popped into them. I mean, Tim Kirkjian 
Oh, yeah. I love Tim Kirkshin. Okay. Tim Kirkshin's great anyway, but I don't know that I've laughed as much in a podcast with anyone. And that's including <laughs> people who are full time comedians. I mean, the stories that he has, he's, his memory is unbelievable. So he remembers the details of every story he tells perfectly. He's a great storyteller. He had one that was just fantastic when he was early on in a beat reporter role, learning how to compete with other reporters for scoops. If he got beat, he would drive out to the woods, bring his dogs, let them out of the car to run around and scream into the woods in <laughs> anger for missing a scoop. Um he, I, yeah, I, I, I just have to say of like the surprise plus the combination of great sports mind who can also talk about things outside of it. Uh, Tim Kirkshin, my episode with him was fantastic. All right. Well, as I'm now plugging my podcast on your podcast. Hey, look, that's what they said with Sarah Spain. Th that's what she said uh, with Sarah Spain is is exactly what we're going to talk about, because look, this show had our show has existed. The initial pitch was let's go talk to athletes. And have the conversations that we want to have in the th that we have in the green room as like their handlers, their flunkies, their you know people that move <laughs> them around. You're the talent. We're the people behind the scenes. Um, and what I love about how your podcast has really evolved over the years, and what I what I think is a nice wrap up to, you know, as we end this show is 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 how it reflects how a certain segment of sports media is exploring themes that go way beyond sports. And and I hear you, even in the intro of your show now, you talk, you, you kind of say, this is the show where I talk about whatever the hell I want. <laughs> and I, I think that is beautiful and it is amazing. But I also think it, it deserves some unpacking. So for the podcast, thankfully, I was never tied to the specifics of a sporting event. I mean, maybe every once in a while, I would say, you know what, today's would be a good this week I'll have Greg Wyshynski on because the NHL season is coming right. up and I need like a, a refresher and I'd like to have enough time to get into it. But for the most part, my goal was to have the podcast be evergreen. ESPN approached me and said, we think that you would be a great person to have a podcast. Would you be interested? And I was like, yes. And at the time it was a little bit earlier in my podcast, uh, uh, adventure as a listener. And so the predominant ones I listened to were fresh air. WTF with Mark Maron. Mm -hmm. There were these long form interviews. And that to me is one of the more interesting things in my job is getting to be nosy and curious about other people and their successes and how they got to where they are and who they are beyond what we know about them on the surface. Um, and those are the ones I like in listening to. I, I think there's some really fun podcasts that are kind of silly, but that's not what I choose to spend my time listening to as much as deep dives into human beings. And that's kind of who I am outside of the sports world. That's the books I like to read. That's the movies I like to watch. So that's reflected in who I choose to be on. Now, early on, I certainly felt more tied to, I got to figure out a little bit of a sports connection, or I got to start with people in the sports world that I know I can get. And then as I started to realize that I had no one really standing over my shoulder at all, and I wasn't <laughs> being micromanaged or even really produced, like my producer is great, but I don't ask him to do anything except for hit record and then put it together the pieces, right? I do all the booking and I find the guests that I want and I figure out what I want to ask them. So when I realized no one was asking or demanding anything of me, then it was like, awesome. I want to learn more about neuroscience. So I'm going to get a neuroscientist right. on. I want to learn more about like wines. So my friend who's a master Psalm is going to come on. Um, and at that point, I realized that if I found something interesting and was really intrigued by the conversation, hopefully my listeners would too. And then it became wholly untethered from sports, like 
there are shows where we, it won't come up even once. And that's a dream for me because as much as I love sports, Brad, you know, I like, I want to be on Saturday night live. I, I moved to LA <laughs> to try to do comedy and acting and like these creative pursuits. I was, um, one class away from a poetry minor in college. So I have all these disparate interests and the more work I do in sports, the more one note I become just because of time. I don't have time to do anything except for know every trade and score and coach and injury. So this gives me an excuse, even while I'm on the clock to explore the things that I find interesting outside of sports and get the chance to like, keep scratching those itches and curiosities in my brain where I want to learn things that aren't, you know, whether Doug Peterson's going to get hired on someone's staff. Can we crowdfund that last poetry uh, two hours to get you that, <laughs> that, that minor? I'll do that myself. I, know, right? I didn't really need it. So it was like, I just ended up taking a lot of those classes. And then by the end, I was like, oh, I guess I could have minored in that if I wanted to. But uh, <laughs> it was more about an interest than it was anything else. The first one of uh, uh, of this that I remember from you that I, I remember going, oh, man, she's doing something totally different was when you had Sarah Rob O'Hagan on. I think this was like 2017, 2018 yeah. range. She was my former client at Gatorade, and she had branched out. And, and, and you know, by then, I think she'd gone to it was either Equinox or Flywheel, and she was doing like almost like personal motivation work. And I was intrigued to hear you talk to her, and that's when I it, it kind of got on board with me that oh wow, she really is like diving deep into these other worlds. What are some of the more unique? Do, do you think topics or? Um, you know, you know, angles that you've taken with guests that you think have really left a mark on you as the interviewer to say, wow, you've stoked a, an interest or you've opened my eyes to something else that, that I otherwise would not have known without this platform. Yeah, she was a great one because she's a perfect example of I'll see someone speak at something. And in her case, it was an ESPNW summit. I'll love their story and I'll want other people to get to hear it. And the fact that she sort of maneuvered her way into a job, flew across the world from New Zealand to America, showed up, and whoever hired her had been let go, and she forgot to mention that she'd been hired before she left. So she shows up for a job at a different continent, and they don't even know she's coming. Um, <laughs> and how she navigated that, and what came next, and how she worked her way up in these top companies. So she's a great example. Um, certainly, there are plenty where I've got a little bit of an interest, and then once I have someone on, their conversation really gets me gets me going. Adam Rutherford was recently a, a guest I had on. He's a, he's an author and he has a new newish book last couple of months called How to Argue with a Racist. And it's literally the scientific side of he's a geneticist. So he's the scientific side of how race is 100 percent a social construct how science will provide for you the arguments against racism. And he wrote the book because of how angry he was with people who use it improperly to try to defend their claims about a, a master race or any of, of the white supremacy that people argue. Mm -hmm. So that one was fascinating. I love, I come from a family of lawyers and a lot of my job in sports is essentially debating or arguing things. And I love the, the task of coming up with, of, of ways of arguing things. And so to learn the facts that I need to support my opinion and something like that, that's so meaningful right now. Um, that's really cool for me. Um, you know, I, I talked to Tatiana McFadden, who's a Paralympic superstar. And the more I learn about people who are able to overcome these incredible odds, the more it leaves me feeling like my excuses for things that I put in my own way are pretty weak. And I think you always know that, but when you're reminded of it, whether that's from 
somebody like her who was, you know, born in a Russian orphanage and had to walk on her hands for the first six years of her life and then becomes this incredible wheelchair marathoner in part because of that, you think about the pivots that people make and you try to figure out how to apply those to the much less dramatic barriers that that you have. Um, so that was a great one. I Like I said, I've, I've had neuroscientists and I love learning about uh, the way that our brains can actually change neuroplasticity, which is only a couple decades old. The idea that what we think we're born with is what we're stuck with, when in fact, there are a lot of ways to keep using the muscle over and over again until your brain creates these bridges, these little synapses that make it easier to get to an, a piece of information, even a mood, right? If you use your gratitude muscle over and over intentionally, then eventually that reaction to something will come organically, even in a moment when normally you'd be stressed or angry. And so those kind of things to me are far more interesting than just having athletes on and asking like, so did you know in high school that you could play professionally? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. And those are some of my favorite interviews of yours. I, I do wonder, what was the response like from viewers? You were a very public online figure. I am uh, uh, fully aware of how many uh, opinions people throw <laughs> at you when they when they listen to your stuff or read your stuff or watch you on TV. But what what were you hearing from people as you you know said, hey, look, today we're talking about the uh, you know definition of empathy. Today we are looking at body positivity from a new angle. You're, you're going into these new topics. What was the response like from your your loyal uh, followers? So I would say the nice thing about the podcast is, well, it's it's good and bad. It's not it's not as uh, it's not as broadly listened to as people who watch like around the horn. Right. So on the one hand, <laughs> right. it would be great if I could have the listenership that around the horn has as a viewership. It, my numbers would be great. Uh, my salary would probably go up. But because of that, too, it's selective in that the people who are there have now come to 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 be used to that and they want it. And they'll write me, hey, I saw the name on this one. And at first I wasn't going to listen and it turned out to be my favorite. Or, you know, I saw the topic, didn't think I would be into it. And I ended up loving it and learning so much. So I think a lot of people that are on board with my podcast are there because they they share my opinion. Like if I find this interesting, I'm going to convince you to find it interesting too. You're going to by the end of it have have learned something. And then I think if they don't, for the most part, they're sort of like, I don't want to like categorize, but they're kind of like the Spain hive. So they're not going to send me a message like, hey, that sucked. Right. <laughs> like the most the most negative feedback I'll usually get on the podcast is like I have a Facebook a public page and there's a lot of people in and out of there that show up just to talk shit and be mean and like harass me and those people will be like cool sports show right <laughs> like but it's never on like a musician it's on someone like uh, dr eddie s cloud he's a right. professor and talking about race in america like it's the same issues that people who want to say stick to sports only say about like politics or race or women's issues they don't say it when i have you know, Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam on. They're not like, hey, talk sports. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would have to say it's not that my podcast is like a safe space. There's certainly still some people who show up and give me one star on iTunes and are like, she only talks women's sports. And I'm like, what? That's not even here. Um, but for the most part, it is, I think, open-minded people who who like the, the, the twists and turns it takes. 
Yeah, I mean, she only talks, uh, you know, uh, being a woman in sports, except for on her nightly ESPN radio show yeah. and her Emmy-winning uh, Sports Center con- contributions <laughs> and her yeah. daytime TV appearances and all of her writing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. It's a, good, also, it's a solid argument. It's backed up by fact. As someone who has had to walk like Rob Schneider and Jared from Subway around the goddamn uh, Super Bowl Media Center, uh, let me tell you, a lot of people <laughs> show up on sports shows. I mean, Jared's in jail. Let's just leave that there. <laughs> Uh, who, Were you on that? Was that a client of yours? No, no. But I did have to oh, kick Jared God. out of our our lounge area in 2008 in Phoenix in the uh, oh, the, no. the undefeated Patriots season. He was trying to get in there. Long story, but um, maybe that'll be the final episode. That that story. Ooh, tell uh, that story. Was he me, like? Had he been revealed to be trash yet? No, no, no. God, Sarah. If he had been revealed to be a <laughs> pedophile, I would. It would not have like been as hard to sell. Be at the party, but yeah. <laughs> now I'm curious as to why he got kicked out. That'd be Roger Goodell's problem that he got a, got the pass, you know? Right, I mean, I was in the right. media center. Um, okay, I have invited on to this show, which has never made any money and has you know, <laughs> very little listenership. I've invited President Obama. I've invited Tiger Woods. I've invited on everybody. Who's your most ambitious invite that you ever hit send to and you were like, well, geez, I'm just letting it all hang out. Let's go. Oh, man. Uh, I assume you mean people that didn't come on because I mean, if you the, if you ha- if, if you got Obama on yours, congrats. <laughs> I missed that episode. I'm sorry. That's yeah, on me. No, no. I mean, because I mean, there are a couple people that when they said yes, I was like, what? Right. I mean, Chelsea Handler yeah. and Charles Barkley. And anytime I can get somebody on from Saturday Night Live is a dream to yep. me. Right. So Keenan Thompson and, and those folks, uh, Sue Bird and Megan Rapino together. At the same time. That was amazing. Was magical. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say those are up there. Uh, Glennon Doyle in the midst of promoting her book, which has been number one for like a year at this point. Um, she was just a couple months into promoting it and she was everywhere. So that was incredible. Um, so Lizzo is a no. Um, <laughs> Lizzo just never got back to me. Yeah. No, okay. Um, but a, a no response is different than a no. Like I've had some hard, right. like, no, we're passing, uh, versus like, never heard back. And you just convince yourself, well, maybe spam filters it. and everything. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, so, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown from community, I had Dulé Hill on and I always ask people who I should have on and he recommended her and they like, came back at me once or twice and then just disappeared. So I'm yeah. going to go ahead and assume that that's, that's a no. Um, trying to think. I mean, I've slid into some DMs and not gotten <laughs> word back. That's like, so it's funny because Julie Foudy has a podcast. that's really fantastic on ESPN as well. And she, I think, is expanding beyond um, uh, like a limited season or maybe at least a couple more. So she reached out and she was like, I'm just wondering, how do you do it? Like you're booking year round. How do you get your guests? Who's helping? I'm like, uh, no one, uh, literally no one. Uh, I just do it myself. And sometimes that means just sliding into DMS on Instagram and on Twitter, especially if they follow me. Um, you know, I had Becky Lynch on the podcast. She was a huge get and she's someone who, you know, she came to the ESPNW summit so I could go through the, like, sometimes I'm able to use PR or other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some people that you would think this is a fit. Like Lindy West is a massive, I'm a huge fan of hers. Like, I can't tell you how often I quote some of her brilliant stuff on feminism. And I've tried her a bunch of times and I never even get a message back from her people. And then there's people that I'm like, why would this person ever say yes? And I'm like, really? You're coming? Okay. So sometimes I think it's a crapshoot. 
obviously I got to know you through our work together and talking about like just the travails of, of women in sports and what you deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I guess I would ask you, you know, what do you want people to know more about your experience and, and, and how a lot of women right now are speaking out and speaking up about uh, where they want to uh, be heard more distinctly on these issues? Yeah, I mean, the big one I would say is I sat down today, actually, and spent a number of hours getting to work on a story relating to the Mets GM, Jared Porter, relating to the former Mets manager, Mickey Calloway. And part of my struggle was, how do I write about this differently than every other time I've written about this and everything else everyone else has said about it? Because I've now decided that I used to think I was one of the unlucky few to have had to go through pretty bad sexual harassment from somebody en route to success in this industry. And now I actually think that there are only a lucky few that haven't. I think it would be difficult to find a woman who is anywhere in the sports industry who didn't have to run this gauntlet of lewd and inappropriate comments or texts or advances from managers or players or fellow journalists or bosses. And to actually think about it and say, we need to stop talking about this by reacting to individual instances as if they are shocking and stand out from the crowd and instead start talking about it like this is the feature, not a bug. And until we make drastic changes to the way that we talk about it and react to it and are proactive about it, it's never going to change. Because the idea that there are women in this industry who have been talking about the same thing for 40 years and still Mm. get asked about it tells you that we're not making the right decisions. And it's a societal issue, of course. It's it's the result of entitlement, it, this messaging that we send men their entire lives, that if you want something bad enough, you just keep going for it, even if you're getting consistent no's, even if it's unprofessional, even if it's damaging to the business, like you, you are owed that thing if you want it badly enough. And that comes from like all the way down to Disney princess movies of the past, right? It's 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 pervasive. So massive societal change needs to happen for it not to trickle down into business world. But we can also be more proactive in asking the women we work with, are you okay? Is this happening? Do you need help reporting? Instead of waiting for them to come to you because maybe they can't or won't because they're scared. Um, I also think we need more female leadership. There are plenty of women who are going to screw over other women. They're not going to be perfect. But the idea of having diversity at the top is certainly going to make it more likely that people feel comfortable going and reporting or feel comfortable telling that somebody isn't behaving properly. Vetting needs to be better. We always hear these stories about people who got hired. And then when they ask if they talk to a single woman about them, the answer is no, that can't be. And maybe there needs to be more punishment for the teams that hire these guys instead of them always getting to just play dumb. Um, And then the last thing I would say, I, I mentioned this the other day, and it's not brilliant, but I had never thought of presenting it this way. And I think people reacted to it because of that. Whatever your idea of a woman is in life, whether it's wanting to be in sports or STEM or just a regular job that we associate with women, like HR or PR or nursing or whatever, your idea of who they are and, and what you associate with their dreams and desires and wants should not be in any way affected by the body that their brain and their soul were put in. And what I mean by that is it is too easy, I think, for people to look over at somebody who's a different race or gender 
and say that they know anything about what that means about who they are and what they want or whether they deserve to go after what they want. And the idea that I only get maybe this one life and I happen to be put in this particular skin suit and that should decide whether I get to do the things that I love or want or am good at. When you think of it that way, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And yet here we are centuries into our existence as human beings still deciding that someone who's put in a woman's skin suit shouldn't get to talk about football. Like that is the dumbest. Right. It's it's so dumb when you actually think about it. And yet we still look at other human beings and decide whether their brain works because they're a woman or whether they're qualified because they're black or what anything. It's so dumb. And when you strip it down to that, it just makes you even more angry that we've lasted this many centuries and not figured that out. Look, everything you talk about on, on this topic, especially as personal residents, you you uh, have stuck your neck out for for this platform forever. Uh, you're such an inspiration for my girls who are are becoming more aware about sports and things. I will say this, Sarah. I promise to not end on such a serious note. So can I borrow a quick <laughs> a page from your book? I'm going to set the egg timer here to one minute. Can Ooh. I hit you with, with some quickies? Yeah, some let's do Spain it. Spain and Fitz quickies. Okay, here we go. Bigger flex, being a D1 athlete or being an Ivy League grad? I was going to say being a Peabody winner, but thanks to you, which is the biggest <laughs> no. flex um, Dude, you have an Emmy too. Like you don't even uh, need it. Like you're, you're drowning in awards over there. I, two, I wish I had the Ivy League yeah. degree. I'll trade you my other one. You'd be a two-time. Um, I'm gonna go. Ooh, oh, that's so tough. I guess I'm gonna go D1 athlete because uh, there are certainly people whose parents bought them into Ivy Leagues, and it's a lot tougher to buy your way into D1 unless, of course, it's USC and it's rowing. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> answer. Uh, best Wrigley Field concert you've seen? Oh. Oh my God, that's too hard. Oh, I saw the I saw the boss there in the rain and it was amazing, but I'm still going to have to go every time I've seen Pearl Jam there. Every time I've seen Pearl Jam there has blown my mind whole. <laughs> I've only seen Dave Matthews there because I got a free ticket. Ooh, and I was nice. next to this like 20-year-old kid who's like, hey man, like... I haven't seen Dave in so long. It was like three years ago. And I was like, I saw them in 1996 in Ohio. And he's like, oh my nice. God, what'd you play? And I, what'd they play? And I was like, I don't know, both albums, I guess. At that yeah, point. exactly. <laughs> All like right. Ants marching probably. Right. Mo- I most, love Dave though. Yeah. Most starstruck you've been. Oh, I mean, Michael Jordan every yeah. time. I act like a giant idiot and or a total prostitute, depending on the night. <laughs> okay. Well, nice segue. <laughs> Dumbest moment you've had in front of a celebrity oh my god there's there's too many um god i don't know if i could think of one off the top of my head because there's so many i mean i mean just because we already brought it up the two of the times i met michael one of the times i really wanted a photo with him and i just started unloading every piece of information that might convince him to let me into the red carpet area that he was had not been noticed in yet because he had slid in the back of this party and nobody was on to him so i think he didn't want to take a photo and have the whole party be like a bunch of annoying people like me so i'm like oh my god when i was a kid i used to drive my car to your house and i would stand on top of the car and look over your gate and see if you were inside i had a big plan on halloween that i was going to fake an epileptic seizure so you'd have to bring me inside when i was trick-or-treating you know when you got to divorce my mom emailed me and said that I still had a chance like I was just like verbal diarrhea but it worked um and then the second time not the second time the next time I met him after that he remembered me of course because I think he thought I might stab him or something and I handed him my 
business card from when I was an actress. So it had like my headshot on one side and then just like my name and phone number <laughs> on the back. And this was, this was both, I was single. Uh, and I just said, if you ever need anything, which oh, I Jesus. mean, just classy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help it. Michael Jordan turns me into a lunatic. He is the only athlete that I ever became like groupie nation with. But I mean, whatever. I was in my 20s. I was single. Shoot your shot. Look, well, yeah, I was going to say, when you're around Michael Jordan, you shoot your shot. Last shoot question shot. I will ever ask you, Sarah Spain. You've drank with Bill Murray after the Cubs won the World Series. Please tell me you bought the man a drink and what was it? So, Cleveland, I was born there, nice people, but Cleveland sucks. Everything was yes. closed. It was pouring rain. We were outside for at least an hour and a half after Game 7. So we were in a suite, which was awesome for the game itself. Uh, not only because we could hide a bunch of beers in our in our stuff when we went down to, to watch the, the festivities from closer to the field, but also because we were out of the rain. But once we once we got kicked out of the suite, went to go hang out and watch everybody celebrate, we're getting rained on. We're trying to chug the beers we hid in our jacket and everything finally shuts down. So now it's after 2 a.m. because of the rain delay and everything else. And we try to figure out where are we going to go keep partying? The Cubs won the World Series. Like, we're not going to bed. So we're driving back in an Uber. We pass by a pizza joint. We're starving because we got so nervous we didn't eat in the suite as they look like they were going to blow it. So we get a bunch of pizzas. They have fridges of beer that they're not supposed to sell us, but we buy you know a case or two of beer. And we get back to at least the hotel our friend was staying at, which was where the Cubs were staying. So we were hoping there would be some stuff there. And there was. The ESPN folks were there, Bill Murray, Ricketts. Like, it was the probably the best <laughs> thing going. Uh, we had had a lot more fun the night before after game six because that had been Vetter, Chelios, uh, Bill Murray, um, who else was with them? Uh, what, what, that crew that's always together, John Cusack. So we were at a bar with them the night before, drank them out of every beer. There was not a bar, there was not a beer remaining in the bar. We closed it down. Um, so the next night was a, a little bit of a letdown from that in terms of people, but Murray was there. And by that point, there were no more drinks to be had. Uh, <laughs> we had drank all the drinks, we had ate all the pizza, and then we just turned it into like a lobby dance party until eventually everyone passed out. Oh, uh, Sarah Spain, you're an inspiration in so many ways. <laughs> I like the work you do in sports, the work you do uh, beyond it, and also the stories you have running into the most interesting I people know how in the to party, world. Dude. You're the you're like you're like one step away from a Dozeki's campaign, and I will be there to write your copy for you, Ooh, my friend. Perfect. Well, you know what? One day I am going to write the book. It's going to be you know that that vignette style. That, that everybody crushes, the Tina Fey's and the Amy Polars of the world. Um, I'm going to have that, and it's going to involve all sorts of, of stories that, uh, you know, that you got, you got to go balls to the wall in life, man. You never know when you're going to have another chance. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things. And then we, the fans, tell them, stop exploring your passions. You're being a locker room distraction. That is ridiculous. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So on this show, we celebrate distractions every week by telling you what's been distracting us. And to do that this week, as we head, as we we trudge and or limp and or march and or sprint into St. Patrick's Day. I have a special guest returning to Just Not Sports for what I believe is the second or third time on the show. 
brace yourself for what can only be described as pure, unadulterated chaos and maybe some inappropriate humor. It is my daughter, Charlotte, a.k.a. Charlie Burke. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing good, and also I am very complicated, Wild says. <laughs> you are very complicated. I'm glad your younger sister recognizes that, too. Charlie, give us... Give us a quick rundown of your state in life here. Give us give us how old you are and what grade in school you're in and how that's going. So I'm seven and a half years old and I have a sister named Violet who is four years old. It's amazing how kids and think in, I in am in second with- grade and I go to Hunting Ridge, but right now I'm on a live meet. Um and my teacher is Miss Nitskin and also there is something about the podcast that I do not get. What is it? If you guys are talking about sports and you're just talking about just not sports, I'm really confused. Okay, so first things first, you found the fundamental flaw in our show, which is that we are a ostensibly a sports podcast that does not talk about sports. Yeah, that's why... I don't get it. It's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. You've got almost 200 shows to catch up and listen to that it will hopefully explain um, uh, for posterity just why we did what we did. Yeah. But here, look, today we're going to talk about something I would call for you a sport. It's an annual thing that you do. It is a huge passion point and monstrous project with a lots of care and planning into it. You are trying once again to catch a real live leprechaun. Walk us through your thought process as you prepare. Okay, so I'm just warning you, I might be a little bit complicated. And also, I might be a little inappropriate. (laughs) I established that. All right, so last year you tried and didn't quite succeed in catching a leprechaun, correct? Sort of. I didn't succeed at all. Well, actually, I have some proof that the leprechaun is real. He took my front yard sign, because I made a front yard sign, and put it in the backyard with the backyard sign, and I made a backup sign. (laughs) Wait, wait, backyard sign. Backyard. Well, leprechauns are naturally mischievous, my love. Well, actually, they only do, like, funny mischief, like little pranks and stuff. And I actually hope that the leprechaun is a girl. Our, our first well, actually, from my child, one of, I'm sure, will be many, as she course corrects my many mistakes. Charlie, tell us your plan this year, how you're going to catch the leprechaun. So, um, we used this metal black bucket that had a little bit of paint on it. And I'm not sure why. So I took like a few pieces of paper and then I took some fake gold coins from my old trap from last year. Wait, no, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And then I took them off and then I taped them on the one of the pieces of paper. And then at first I wanted the whole paper structure to fall down. Mm-hmm. But then I thought it would ruin the structure inside. So that, um, well, this does not go with the trap at all, but I'm kind of polite. Not to brag, but <laughs> when I burp, I always say, excuse me. You do. <laughs> 
not to brag. That would be, uh, you know, definite bragging rights. Wait, so I'm bragging? No, you're fine. Okay. So then there were some holes in between, like, where the paper was and taped. So, well, actually, I'm going to go back to where I started. So instead of making the whole structure fall down and ruin the structure inside, I decided to cut a hole in it and tape it really well on the sides. And then Mommy helped me make a ladder out of fake gold coins for him to climb up on. So I taped it, the paper really good because I wanted the leprechaun to be able to walk on it. And you know how F-A-T they can get, if you can spell that out. No offense, leprechauns, if you're watching not, this No podcast. offense, no offense. It, you're simply logistics. You're not talking about their lifestyle. We're talking about how to actually catch it. You need an area yeah. that could be big, that could be suited for a leprechaun of all sizes. Okay. I take I taped a fake foam shamrock on the hole on one side of the shamrock to cover the hole and I put lights inside so I tried to cover the hole so it wouldn't um show light so the leprechaun wouldn't think, Oh wait, this is a trap. I should just leave. And then you made stuff for inside. Like you made a yeah. bed and what else did you make? A potty container. A what? Speak up please. A potty container. You made a potty so the leprechaun, as you said, could do what? Do his business. <laughs> Pee-pee and poo-poo is what you told me off air. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to be appropriate for the show, Brad. <laughs> now you're not being appropriate, and you're 41. <laughs> uh, allegedly. <laughs> um, well, I want to tell you more. Sorry. Um. So then I made a bed. So, if you ever want to do this, then here's what you'll need. You'll need a paper towel. You'll need, like, nail polish removers. Those little cottony things. Those little cottony things. Yep, like pads, like makeup remover pads. Like nail remover pads or something like that. And then you'll need tape. And then if your sister or... Older sister or younger sister or older sister or younger brother, any type of sibling, has a dollhouse with a like leprechaun-sized pillow and blanket, then you need to use that. Otherwise, find some different materials that you can use. Tell our listeners this because I thought it was great. What are you going to do with the leprechaun, him or her, if you catch one? Better not laugh at me, Brad. I'm not going to laugh at you. Speak up. Make... Best friends, okay? That's too loud. Sorry. Okay, say that again, though. Make best friends. <laughs> you are going to make hey, best friends. Hey, I told you not to laugh. Come on, Brad. <laughs> All right. What, make best friends. Ah! How, oh, stop, stop. How is a leprechaun who's living in a cage going to be best friends? Are you trapped? I'll try to be nice to it. <laughs> What are you going to do if you don't catch one? Because I think you ran into some kids today. They were looking to catch leprechauns too, but everybody's confident. But I don't think anyone's ever caught a leprechaun before. Why is your trap going to win? Why, is it, why are you going to be the one? Well, I don't know if I'm going to win, but I really hope I do. Where does St. Patrick? So to end, where does St. Patrick's Day fall on your all-time favorite holidays? If, if I said you rank your holidays, starting with your most favorite, where is St. Patrick's Day? Third favorite. Oh, behind what? Let me guess. Can we guess? Okay. 
now you're not counting your birthday as a holiday, right? Yes, I am. Okay, so your birthday is 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 that number one or number two? Number two. Is number one Christmas, which is like your birthday. How did north. you know that? It's like your <laughs> Christmas is like too too fast to birthday. <laughs> Jeez, you are a. I'm a what? Speak up. You are a glass wearing wizard. <laughs> All right, so. Okay, but I have two jokes. Okay, one's very give, us, give us your two jokes. One's very complicated, and one's just a joke. Okay, hit me with the complicated one first. Okay, actually, I want to say best for last. Okay, so give, hit me with the other one first. Why is six afraid of seven? Why is six afraid of seven? I don't know. Because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number number two. Okay. So, what is what does one side of space say to the other side of space who is aerospace engineer who is going too slow? I'll give you 30 seconds to think about this. What does one side of space say to another side of space who is also an aerospace engineer who's going too slow? How about this? I'm going to say uh Don't say it. Daddy, I don't know. I, know. I don't know. I'm guessing. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Wait, you, if I'm not supposed to guess, why'd you give me 30 seconds? What am I just, just build the suspense? You know the answer. <laughs> I don't I've know told that. you this joke before. Okay. Okay, listeners. Daddy has heard this joke before. Okay. What's the answer? Can you pick up the space, please? <laughs> Get it? Like, pick up the pace because it's going too slow, but space because it's two sides of space. Get it? Got it. Good. Well, All if right. you don't get it, then try to make up your own version of a joke and please send it to us. Took me, took you zero time to actually take over the full production of this podcast and make it your own. Anyway, let's end with some shout outs. Shout out to Sarah Spain. Say shout out, Sarah Spain. Shout out to Spir- Sarah Spain and the co-host, Gareth. <laughs> That's right. And shout out to go follow Sarah. Congrats on her, um, you know, entering the ownership game. Uh, go listen to that's what she said. A really enjoyable podcast, and go follow her on all her many platforms. And we will be back. We have taped interviews with cancer surviving World Series heroes, with arguably my all time favorite coach in any sport ever. Yeah, I'm really teasing this. We're doing a 90s retrospective and maybe a Mac Sports retrospective. So plenty more stuff to come as well as uh, what I hope to be weaving in the occasional best of here in the final few weeks. Thanks for your patience. Again, Gareth will be back on when he can, and we will tape the home stretch. And and in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, rapper extraordinaire, booty rappers, Charlie, give me a stay booty. Stay booty and don't do a duty. Ha 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 